It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 93- one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and this is the virtual bible study for thursday december 3rd 2015 we're glad that you're with us tonight my name is jacob Gwynn. my father greg Gwynn is here hello dad jacob great to be with you tonight and it's good to be with you as well it's been a long time yeah, you've been out of pocket a couple weeks. I'm not hearing anything. Yeah, you got uh, your your microphone. There's a little bit fishy. There we go. Try that. Uh, does that sound better? No, no. That, that. Go ahead and uh, make sure you test, got a, test, test a too, good judgment there, a good connection there in the back. Glad you're with us tonight. I look forward to hearing from you at eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeview.com. What do you got now? Nothing. No, oh, you're, you're all right, man. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Let's see. Kyle, is it show up over there? Okay. All right. A little technical trouble right here at the start. Good to have you back, Jacob. You've been out of pocket for a couple weeks. Actually, we were all out of pocket last week for a, a rare occurrence. We decided not to have a virtual Bible study last week because of the Thanksgiving holiday, and so we just... Uh, Took a day off, and uh, that's that's a rarity after 10 years. But uh, we might give people a heads up. We're actually going to plan to do that again in about three weeks from tonight. There's another holiday coming up, and a lot of people will be busy, and so we're just going to uh, take a break that night as well. So we'll go ahead and announce on the 24th we won't have a program. Yeah, and there's probably not a whole lot of uh, and I don't think consternation. People, I don't think people will be weeping in the streets over that, but uh, just, a, just a heads up, and we'll get ready to roll in the new year and uh, uh, go at it uh, seriously. And we, as we get into the new year, we want you to make plans to join us in the new year, and we want your participation, especially want suggestions for topics in the coming year. Yeah, uh, things that will be helpful, things things that you wonder about, you know, I, I Things that are a question, things, topics that you think might be helpful to people to discuss in such a format as we use on the virtual Bible study. We don't necessarily need firebomb kind of topics, you know. Uh, everyone, I, I get a lot I, in in my stack of stuff uh, uh, where people send in questions and so forth. Sometimes people will send in things, you know, just trying to stir things up. Yeah, just sort of inflame the whole world, you know. We, we don't need that, but uh, you know. Topics of interest and concern, we're all for that, and especially things that you think might be helpful to discuss that help us all be better Christians. All right, so send those in, questions at collegeview.com. Welcome those at any time. We'll welcome feedback. Uh, if you have any constructive feedback or disagree with us, we welcome that as well. Um, we're getting some of that. We, we welcome that. So if you disagree with us, send us an email, questions at collegeview.com. Um, uh, Kevin, Kevin, just, says, Kevin in the chat room says we're breaking in... Uh, Sort of going in now. Kevin is still doing that or doing better now? All right, we'll see what he says. Uh, there. All right, all right. Uh, topic tonight is very interesting. We're going to talk tonight about something that all of us have to be aware of and be cautious about. We're going to talk about self righteousness. This is a, this is a real problem in the world and always has been. Uh, I mean, all through time, people have tried to imagine themselves righteous, justify themselves as being righteous when they're not truly righteous in God's eyes. And so it, it's, a, it's a topic that uh, I think we need to be aware of, concerned about, uh, careful that we're, not, that we're not guilty of self-righteousness. But on the other, it's, it's sort of a two-sided coin, Jacob, because some people will throw out that accusation uh very loosely, you know, if you disagree or if you have something to say that might condemn some practice that they're particularly wedded to, then they they may uh, throw out the accusation, you're, you're just self-righteous. Yeah, so it's used, it's used wrongly. It's been a, a term that's been hijacked. A lot of religious terms have been hijacked. This is one that's been hijacked. So we've got to know what it's, how it's misused. But we also need to know what's involved in committing the sin. Because it's a very serious uh, error that we've got to be careful about. And this is an interesting topic because it is one that is limited to those who are 
quote unquote religious. Yeah. You know, with, you know fornication and homosexuality or uh, abortion or, or stealing. That yeah. can go across. Self-righteousness is just limited to those, probably the folks that are listening tonight. Yeah, this is our problem. Not out in the world. It's yeah. in it's in the church. Uh, hypocrisy is another one of those, typically. Yeah. But uh, so we definitely need to be aware of what it is and uh, be on guard. Yeah, and then what we also want to do at the end of the program is talk about some steps to take to avoid it, to make sure we that we can stay away from this right. sin. Okay. All right. We want to hear from you. 877-381-4567. You're listening live. Sign in the bottom of the video feed on the chat window. Look forward to hearing from you there. Uh, Kevin and Mike and Nicholas. and Well, Kyle's in the chat room, but Kyle's also in the room with us tonight. Kyle, thank you yeah, for being thanks, here tonight. Kyle. Look forward to your participation as well, Kyle. Earlier today to our update list, we sent out just a few questions to sort of uh, be uh, conversation starters tonight. We always remind you that you can get on our update list if you're not. Send us an email to questions at collegeview.com and just say, add me to the list, and we'll do that. About noon or a little before sometimes on Thursday, you'll get an email in your inbox. And by the way, uh, we remind you that we have not purged our mailing list, and if you're not getting your our emails in your inbox, look in your spam folder. If you're on Gmail, look in your promotions or your social tab. Uh, and if, if, if you're in Gmail and it's going into your socials or promotions, I think it's been going into some people's promotion tab in Gmail, Take one of our emails, drag it over uh, to the to your inbox uh, tab or your primary. It's called primary. Drag it over to your primary tab, and that should solve your problem. And, and from then on, our emails should come to your primary tab. Okay. Uh, but anyway, we sent out this email earlier today talking about self-righteousness. Number one, people often throw out the charge of self-righteousness, but sometimes they're flatly wrong in such accusation. What are some things that are not self-righteous? People say that it is. People might accuse you of being self-righteous for doing certain things, but actually it's not self-righteousness, and and so we want to talk about that. Then we want to talk about what it really is. What what is the self-righteousness that's condemned in Scripture? And then finally, how can we avoid sinful self-righteousness? What steps can we take in our own lives to make sure that we stay clear from something that is strongly condemned in the Scriptures? All right. We'll look forward to hearing from you on the program. Starting off now with folks using the term in error. It is one of those religious terms that is hijacked and perhaps is easily hijacked because uh, people don't understand what uh, is involved with the sin of self-righteousness. I wonder how many people listening tonight have probably been accused at one time or another of being self-righteous. I know I certainly have had that accusation leveled at me, and and, and, it, and it may be true. I mean, right. it, it, we don't want to just we don't want to say, I, not me. I'm not. I would never be self-righteous. I'm too good to be self-righteous. <laughs> we don't. We don't want to say that. Yeah. But. But sometimes the the accusation is leveled against someone who disagrees uh, religiously. Uh, yeah. If if I disagree with someone, and maybe try to say that what they're they're teaching or what they're practicing is right. If, if I disagree with them about something, they may throw out this charge of being self righteous. Uh, so it's really important to define our terms uh, to understand the proper definition. Uh, you know, someone says, if you're going to insult me, at least do it accurately. That's you know? right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so first of all, one of the things that is not self-righteousness, not, not the biblically condemned kind of self-righteousness, just acknowledging that there is a right way and a wrong way, that something is better than something else. You know, that this is, this is more true to scripture than that is. That that is not uh, self righteousness. Uh, I think the really popular idea in the religious world is uh, what's right for me may not be right for you. Uh, we'll just agree to disagree. You know, uh, don't I'm okay, you're okay. One one church is as good as another. Uh, you're free to believe whatever you want to believe. Since that's such a popular idea in the religious world, then if someone comes along and says, no, that's not right. Well, one church is not as good as another. You're not free to do as you please. Uh, what's right for you? Are, uh, there's not a, there's, there's, it can't be right for you and wrong for me. Right, right is right, right, wrong is wrong. Whenever you make those kind of statements, uh, then 
someone's going to accuse you probably of being self-righteous. Right. When you take a hard, a hard stand and say, this is right and that's wrong, well, who are you to say that? You self-righteous yeah. sinner, you. Yeah, yeah. You're, just a, you're just being self-righteous. Yeah. But actually, all through the scriptures, we, we see that the Lord points out that there is a right way and a wrong way. What's good yeah. and what's not. Well, way back in the Old Testament, Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16, Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways, and see, and ask for the old paths, where he is in the good way. Yes. And walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk therein. Notice it's the good way, not a good way right. or a single way. Right. It's singular, and it has the definite article, the. Right. It means that there's just one right way. That was true in the Old Testament. Uh, Jeremiah, again, repeat, I, I think a much more, maybe more recognizable statement. That's, that's a pretty famous statement in Jeremiah, but um, maybe one you hear even more often in Jeremiah 10, verse 23. O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. Men are incapable of determining what's right or best on their own. Yeah, yeah. So to, to, to say that this is right and that's wrong doesn't make oneself righteous because God said you need to do that. You need to be able to choose the right way or the wrong way. And you need to understand that the right way comes from God. And so just demanding that is not uh, anything that would be condemned. Yeah, he actually told us, ask for the right way, Jeremiah yeah. 6, verse 16. So yeah. uh, we wouldn't be doing something wrong that God would condemn when we do exactly what he asked us to do. I think that's a, yeah. I think that's a fair point. All right. Uh, in the chat room tonight, uh, Nicholas says Jesus would be condemned as self-righteous because he saw uh, that he is the only way to salvation, which ran contrary to the teachings of the religious leaders of the Jews. And Nicholas references John 14, verse 6, uh, and he says, but this is simply the truth, not a statement of self-righteousness. John 14, uh, verse 6. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Right. No man cometh to the Father. But I, I had that verse. I was just, just ready to mention that verse, Nicholas. I think you're exactly right. And that's really exclusive. That's a really exclusive statement on part of the Jesus. It, and when I say exclusive, I mean it excludes Lots of people. It excludes the Muslims. It excludes the Buddhists. It, it excludes the non-believing Jews. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the light. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Uh, uh, I said light. I mean life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Uh, all Everybody else is excluded. Everybody who does not believe in Jesus is excluded. Uh, those who are not following Jesus are not right with God. Now, are we being self-righteous when we say that? Well, if we are, Jesus was too. We're imitating our master in that regard. Yeah, right. Uh, He made a similar statement in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be that go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth to life, and few there be that find it. Again, it's not an inclusive statement. stance that Jesus is taking there. It's, it's, it's exclusive. But, you know, if you were to repeat the very same concept that Jesus said right there, Jesus said the minority are right. The majority will be lost. If you were to say that in, in our world today, you definitely would be charged with self-righteousness. Well, who do you think you are? To Get off your high horse. Yeah, you, but Jesus made that statement, and when, if, we, if we repeat his truths, we are not being self-righteous in God's eyes. We may be accused of this by people in the world today, but they're not using the terminology accurately. That's not self-righteousness. And there can be attitudes associated with making statements like that that could exhibit self-righteousness, but just the statement itself and and the demand itself is not self-righteous. We'll talk about some attitudes that go along with this a little bit that could still, even though we are demanding that we do the right things, could, there could be some self-righteousness attached to that. But just inherent in itself, uh, that statement is not self-righteous. Exactly right. Nicholas mentions Luke 18, beginning verse 9, where Jesus taught the parable of the uh, of the Pharisee and the publican when they went up to pray. I want to save that, Nicholas. Good comment. But I want to save that a little later when we talk about what self-righteousness really is. So hang on to that. Hang on to that uh, concept. And we'll talk about Luke 8, uh, 18 
a little bit later. All right, let's go ahead and get a break. And when we get uh, while we're at the break, we'll take time for you to give us your thoughts. What ways is the term self-righteousness, or what time, and what ways is the the accusation of self-righteousness made in error? It is a term that has been hijacked in the religious world, and it is used in error quite often. Maybe you've been called self-righteous. In what ways was that statement made and that accusation made? Was it accurate? Was it inaccurate? We want to talk about that when we get back from the break. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. Computers are good for lots of things, but there's no better way you could be using yours than to participate in the virtual Bible study every Thursday night. Can you think of a better use of your time? Here's some quotes worth pondering. Whenever you attempt a good work, you will find other men doing the same kind of work and probably doing it better. Envy them not. View all things in the perspective of eternity. Eternity is just a breath away. Man, wish I'd said that. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. And we're back on the program tonight. Thanking you for being here. So we're talking about self-righteousness and what's involved with it. And uh, right now we're talking about ways the term is used in error. Yeah, because it is. It's a. It's a. It's just one of. You know, it's it's an off-putting accusation. I do not want to be accused of self-righteousness, and so I back away from saying yeah. anything that someone right. might, might think would be a self-righteous statement. Yeah. You know, they know that they put you on the immediate defensive if they accuse you of being self-righteous. That's why they do it. Yeah. You know, uh, but it is often misused. We just right. talked about it's not self-righteousness to acknowledge that one way is better than another. Secondly. It's not. Wait, wait a minute. We had a comment by. Uh, we had a comment from uh, Ramona. Ramona. Yeah, Ramona yeah. in uh, Texas. Uh, she says uh, it is no longer I who live, the old man producing a self righteousness, but Christ who lives in me, the new man producing a righteousness from the heart. And that's uh, Galatians chapter two, verse twenty. So when we're living the way Christ says to live, we're not being self righteous. Absolutely not. I think that's right, and that's sort of what we were stressing yeah. on, uh, in our conversation. Yeah. Another way that that I noted that uh, is not self-righteousness, biblically speaking, is is to believe that one has to live a certain way in order to have the hope of going to heaven. Now, now, again, if you were to state this, you have to live this way if you want to go to heaven when this life is over. If you were to state that, even to most religious people in the world today, uh, they probably would argue uh, that we are... Claiming that that our own goodness or our, our our own righteousness, our own merit. In other words, if I say you got to live this way to go to heaven, they say, "Oh, well, you're just trying to merit your way to heaven. You're trying to be self righteous and earn your salvation." Uh, but that's that's not what we're saying when we say there is a way, a right way to live, and you must live that right. way. There's nothing inherently wrong with saying you've got to live a certain way. Yeah. Uh, but but if you do, people will call that self-righteousness. Um, there are things that we must do, and it's always been the case with God's people. If you went back to the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 6, verse 25, it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to observe all this commandment before the Lord our God just as he commanded it. Now, notice what Moses was saying to the children of Israel. This will be righteousness. What will be righteousness? If we're careful to observe all this commandment, he had just been reviewing with them the law that God had given him. Now, we live under a different law. We understand that. But this was still a law from God for his people in that time to be righteous. What did they have to do? Observe all this commandment before the Lord our God just as he commanded us. That's Deuteronomy 6, verse 25. We must do... We must do things just like he said. That's what Moses said. We got to do things just like he said to do. That's always been the way God dealt with people. Uh, you know, we have to take. We have to assume then, if people are taking issue with this, that they're that the inverse is what they're defending is that it doesn't matter what you do; you just do whatever you want. Yeah. Uh, is that what we see in the scripture? Certainly, we see a different picture in the Old Testament. I think we'll see a different picture in the New Testament as well. Yeah. In the chat room, Nicholas mentions, it seems to me that we can make the same stand that Jesus did as long as we realize we have been in the same boat as all men. Uh, Romans 3.23, all of sin come short of the glory of God. We agree. We're not perfect. Our Savior is. uh, We are not perfect as our Savior is, except 
through him. In other words, the only way we can be perfect is through him. Yep. We now know the truth, but we will be saved by God's grace, not our own righteousness. God will exalt the humble. Let us not become high-minded in our own eyes. And, that, and that's uh, exactly right. Those are some of the things we want to point out in our in our last part of our conversation is what do we do to avoid self-righteousness. Right. All right. Thank you, Nicholas, for that. And, uh, we, and Rick uh, has some comments along those lines as for the second half of the program as well. Okay. Um, in the New Testament, again, we're saying it's a false claim. If I, if I were to say you have to live this way to go to heaven, it's a false claim to claim that that is teaching self-righteousness. Notice 1 John 3, verse 7. 1 John 3, verse 7. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. So how am I righteous? He that doeth righteousness is righteous. There's right. something to do. Right. It's not just, you know, it's not just some vague, mystical, foggy notion of I'm, I'm right with God. I'm right with God when I do what God said to do, when I work righteousness. Right. He that doeth righteousness is righteous. And right. so I, I really think that most people, Jacob, in the religious world have this idea that, well, being right with God is just sort of a, it's a feeling. It's just a sense. It's, a, it's, it's all subjective. Whereas the scriptures teach that being right with God is an objective thing. Right. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven questions at collegeu.com. And that is, that's, if you think about it, that's a blessing that it's objective and it's not just a subjective feeling. Yeah. Because feelings are very misleading. And having a subjective standard, as Jesus has laid out for us here, that there is a straight and narrow way. There is a way that is right, and that's the way we need to seek out. But but to say that, people just people have a big problem with you saying that. Okay. But as you pointed out, feelings can be so misleading. Recently, here we we've been studying in the book of Genesis, and we talked we talked at length about Jacob when he was presented with Joseph's coat of many colors that was stained in blood, and he jumped to the conclusion that Joseph had been killed by a wild beast in the field and. And his feelings were absolute, sincere, and genuine. But he was dead wrong, right? You know, and I, I always have thought that's sort of the classic Bible example of how if you trust your feelings, you can be 180 degrees out. Yeah. All right. Look forward to hearing from you, Nicholas, in the chat room. Uh, references Second uh, Peter chapter one verses five through eleven. And again, this uh, is he, uh, Nicholas is pointing us to another passage that shows that uh, that being right with God is not something that's just subjective. There are things that we need to do. There's a path that we need to go down. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 5-11. through 11. Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for those comments, Nicholas. Yeah. You know, I think probably almost a synonymous accusation of what we're talking about tonight, if someone accuses you of being self-righteous, as we're talking about here, is the idea of legalism. You know, and I think people probably have those in the same cubbyhole in their brain. You're a legalist and you are being self-righteous. They almost would throw those terms out. Synonymous. There's a difference between those two terms. Self-righteousness I can read about in the New Testament. I can't read anything about legalism in the New Testament yeah. or in the Old Testament But, but either, people but have linked that, don't they've you They've linked that. Yeah. One, one's a man-made term, one's a, a scriptural term. Yeah. All right. All right. Finally here, uh, we, we have got at least one more observation uh, as to what is a misuse of the uh, accusation of being self-righteous, and that's, uh, being concerned about and or speaking out against any sin. For instance, uh, when we speak out about homosexuality, and we've done that a good bit on the on the virtual Bible study, uh, you're condemning the homosexuals. You're you're just being self righteous. You've got your sins too, you know. Yeah. And you know, you think you're perfect. You, you, is, and and the idea is that only a person who was perfect would have license to condemn anybody else or any specific sin that somebody else might be doing. So if we condemn homosexuality, if we talk about 
marriage, divorce, and remarriage, and we talk about some people uh, who are living in adulterous relationships because of marriage, divorce, and remarriage, uh, that's we'd be accused of being self-righteous. If we talk about the necessity to maintain modesty in our dress, you know, you, basically you find these hot-button topics, and if you get on one of those, people are going to say, you're just being self-righteous when you do that. If we, you know, recently, Jacob, we've spent a good bit of time on the virtual Bible study talking about social drinking, mm-hmm. the, the, the use of alcohol as it's condemned in the Scriptures. We've had we've had some feedback. People seriously disagree with what we've been teaching. And the idea is that if you teach that, you know, you're just taking a self righteous stand. You know, you're uh, dancing. Uh, you know, prom season. Prom season will be rolling around here after you know after the uh, first of the year. Uh, almost immediately, we get into that. Prom season. If we speak out against dancing, we're being self righteous. Well, you're just self righteous. It's one of those accusations that uh, is easy to throw around, as you mentioned previously. It doesn't have to have a lot of substance to it. It's just one of those terms you throw it around, and it's sort of, you know. That's like, a good way to get you off my back. I just right. throw that out and yeah. accuse you of that. It's a vague term, sort of like the term cult is one of those that, uh, you know, it's one you can brand somebody as being a part of a cult and. There's, it's that's sort of a vague uh, concept that's hard to define. So, yeah. But nobody wants to be in a cult, so, well, I don't want to be like that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, really, God's faithful people have always spoken out against sin. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at Psalm 119. Many recognize Psalm 119 as the longest chapter in the Bible. And there, and almost, I think, I think some people have tried to find one or two verses in that very long psalm that don't talk about the Word of God, that... Almost every verse, if not every verse in that psalm, has some reference to the law of God. I've just picked out a couple here. Verse 53, Horror hath taken hold upon me because of the wick, because of the wicked that forsake thy law. In other words, he was concerned about the wicked. They were forsaking God's law. Well, wait a minute. Is he judging them? Right. Is he being self-righteous? He says, verse 136, Rivers of water run down mine eyes because they keep not thy word. I mean, he's crying. He's weeping because... Others, he observes others who are not doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Verse 158, I beheld the transgressors and was grieved because they kept not thy word. Well, who is he to say that? He's just yeah. being self-righteous. No, yeah. no, the point of that is the God's faithful people have always identified sin. We identify it in our own lives, at least that's our goal, but yeah. we, we're we not being self-righteous if we identify it in the lives of others as well and say, that's wrong, you can't do that. Right. Um, in the New Testament, Second Peter chapter two, beginning verse seven, God delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them, in seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Now that's talking about Lot in the city of Sodom, obviously. It says he was a righteous man, but notice he was vexed by the unlawful deeds that he saw them doing. Well, was he self-righteous? No, he was righteous. He wasn't self-righteous. He was a righteous man, and it vexed his soul that these others around him were doing these deeds. He was not wrong to identify what they were doing as sin. No, God gives him the seal of accommodation for that to stance against the wickedness around him. Certainly, there were probably folks in, in Sodom that were putting that self-righteous brand on, on Lot because he wasn't going along with their uh, shenanigans. But God says he was righteous for being concerned about the evil around him. Okay. And i got one more verse here, Jacob, and then, and then we'll break here. Uh, uh, what is our assignment in regards to this, in, re- in regards to speaking out against sin, identifying, being concerned about sins that people commit? Ephesians 5.11, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. That's our assignment. That's our job. We have to reprove wickedness. And so, again, we're not being self-righteous when we say that's a sinful act and you can't do it. All right. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeu.com. When we get back, now we're going to shift the focus. We've talked about what self-righteousness is not. All right, so we know what it's not. We know when people are making the accusation and error. But what, what, what is self-righteousness? We need to know that. Jesus roundly condemned it. 
And we need to do the same, and we need to make sure that it's not a sin that's that's present in our life. So, what constitutes self-righteousness? Send in your thoughts during the break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this week's bullet point. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Knowing the best approach to use and the right things to say when teaching someone the gospel is a difficult challenge. Our judgments about how to proceed will be flawed from time to time, but good and honest hearts will be ready to accept God's truth despite our feelings. One of the critical things in this process is determining a student's basic level of knowledge. We must be able to determine where to start with each individual learner. Philip did this in an expert way when he encountered the Ethiopian eunuch. A simple question, an observation of the text the eunuch was reading at the time, a statement by the man himself, and Philip was ready to go. He, quote, began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus, Acts chapter 8, verse 35. We will do well to follow Philip's example. Make no assumptions about what your prospect knows. Find out where your student is in terms of fundamental knowledge and commence your teaching at the appropriate starting place. Failure to do so will lead to confusion and frustration for both the student and the teacher. Another essential component of effective teaching is to keep the instruction in manageable bites. Too often we see well-intentioned Christians launch off into long discourses that incorporate way too much information. It all makes sense to them, of course, and they sincerely want to share their understanding with the one they're teaching, but it is simply too much. The student will not be able to take it all in. They won't be able to see the forest for the trees, so to speak, and they may very well throw up their hands in despair. So our best approach is to take it slowly. Methodically walk the student through the necessary foundational truths. While it may be possible to do this in, quote, the same hour of the night, as we read in Acts 16.33, it often will take several carefully planned sessions. Knowing how much and how fast to feed the student is a much-needed talent in teachers. The Apostle Paul urged, quote, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man, Colossians 4, verse 6. Salt, of course, is a good thing, but too much ruins the food. The same is true for our efforts to inform others. We need to be doing this essential work, but let us pray for wisdom, as James chapter 1, verse 5 instructs, so that we will serve up the truth in an effective way that does not overwhelm the one we're trying to teach. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. This is Stephen Nicholson, a member of the College View Church of Christ, and I want to invite you to be a regular participant on the virtual Bible study. Your input by way of emails and phone calls are always welcome during the live program. We're also open to your suggestions about possible topics for discussion on upcoming editions of the program. We'd love to hear from you anytime. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Colossians 3.17. Now, back to the program. Back on the program tonight, reminding you this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Our website is thevirtualbiblestudy.com, where you can find out more about us. And you can find information on how you can subscribe to the College View Sermon Podcast TheVirtualBibleStudy.com is the website address to use. Questions at CollegeView.com is the email address to use. And we want to hear from you. If you have any thoughts about uh, what you'd like to hear discussed on the Virtual Bible Study or questions or comments about what you've heard discussed, questions at CollegeView.com as we talk about... By the way, get in on that podcast thing. I'm dead again. You're dead again. Testing, testing, one, two, one, two, one, two. You got it. Okay. Uh, Get in on that podcasting thing. That's the way to go there. I mean, that comes right to your phone, and you don't even have to do anything. Yeah, you're a high-tech redneck right now. Uh, Nicholas, as we talk about self-righteousness, Nicholas says we need to stand up for for and contend contend for the faith and forget about the idea of political correctness. If we don't fight now, it will be too late in the future. I think exactly right. And Nicholas also says, in our present-day society, it is acceptable to condemn Christians and their moral beliefs, and it is totally unacceptable for Christians to stand up for their beliefs. Yet it is appropriate to mock and make fun of Christian beliefs. In fact, this is looked on as accepting science and reality while Christians are pictured as those believing and following fables. They don't look upon condemning Christian beliefs as self-righteous. I, I do think there's a real double standard there that Nicholas has pointed out, and I think he's exactly right Thank about Thank you for that. your comments, Don yeah. Nicholas. All right, what does it take to be self-righteous then? All right, let's go to, and, and Nicholas mentioned this text earlier, uh, let's, let's go to the probably maybe the best place that identifies what real self-righteousness is, 
is that passage in Luke chapter 18 where Jesus talked about the publican and the Pharisee uh, who went up to pray. I want to read Interesting. that. Interesting. Ramona also referenced that same passage. So yeah, I think that's a, the, she sent in several verses, and that was the top one on her, uh, in, on her list. I think that, uh, yeah, I think it's on the minds of a lot of folks as you talk about this subject. Well, notice it, because this is one of those parables uh, where it actually tells why it was, uh, you know, what was the purpose. It, 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 it defines it. terms. Yeah, it defines it for us. Luke 18, beginning verse 9. Jesus spake this parable unto certain that trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee, the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner." I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Um, we've already said, you know, that, that people who practice immorality, that has to be condemned. That's not righteousness. But notice this fella. Uh, this fella was... Um, very uh, certain uh, that he that he was he ha- had avoided all sorts of immorality. Uh, you know, he he was he was sure uh, that he was like other men, and he mentions the sin of extortion, unjust, adulterers, and he even pointed a finger at the guy there by him. You know, the publican who was praying. So he he was self righteous because he was absolutely certain that he was avoiding all kinds of sinful things in his life. What would be the application to us? Well, the application to us is that if if we are uh, suggesting that we're perfect, that we don't sin, you know, that, that we're not that we're not even tempted in regards to the sinful things that that happen in life, then that that that's a self righteous position. It's looking down on. On, on others because of sin when we fail to realize that we are sinners as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, ju- just avoiding some sins, anybody can do that. You know, a, a person who doesn't even believe in God might choose to avoid some kinds of sins. You know, maybe here, here's this guy, he's an atheist, but he... He he understands the value of a monogamous relationship, uh, one man, one woman, for life. He's been married to the same woman for fifty years. <clears throat> he doesn't believe in God, but he's not an adulterer, you know. And 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 that's one of the things that this Pharisee said: "I'm not an adulterer." Well, even an atheist might not be an adulterer, you know. That doesn't make him, uh, you know. He thought he was righteous because he was uh, avoiding adultery. Well, anybody can do that. Yeah. Lots of people do that. People who don't even believe in God could do that. Certainly, a Muslim, you know, might say, "Well, I'm I I don't commit adultery," uh, or a Muslim might say, "I don't drink alcohol." Uh, the The problem with that approach, though, is that in order to be righteous in that fashion by claiming that you avoid sin, is that you've got to know them all and you've got to avoid them all. Right. But as was already pointed out in our chat room, Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Um, uh, we just can't do it perfectly. Uh, look in um, James chapter 2. In James chapter 2, uh, beginning verse 10, Whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. For he that said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not kill. Now, if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. The principle there is, if you violate any part of the law, if you're not a perfect law keeper, then you can't claim righteousness on that basis. And really, that's what the Pharisee was doing. He's saying, look at me, I'm a righteous man, because I don't do that stuff. Well, he didn't list all the sins. He listed the ones he was avoiding. But in order to be righteous in that way... You'd have to list them all and say, I've never committed any of those, and nobody can do that. All right. All right. Uh, Nicholas says he seems to have a pride of all the good things he does and doesn't see his sin. 
I think I think Nicholas has is, is nailed it there. That he's got he's got he's proud and all the so-called good things that he's doing as he lists them out there. He's very he's very quick to categorize them all. Yeah. But he doesn't see that there is a potential for any sin in his life. Exactly right. Thank exactly you, Nicholas, right. for that. And, and you know that's the second thing. What Nicholas mentioned is the second thing that I see there in that text is he thought he was righteous because he avoided sin in his life some he, he had a pretty short list there that he mentioned of sins that he avoided yeah but he had, he had avoided certain things in his life but he also believed that he had done a lot of good things and he he was quick to enumerate those uh i fast twice a week i give tithes of all that i possess uh so he he wanted to list his good deeds um he probably was telling the truth about that. My guess is that he wasn't lying when he said that he fasted twice in a week and he gave tithes yeah. of all that he possessed. He probably was because the Pharisees were pretty meticulous about things yeah. like that. Yeah. So he's probably telling the truth. Uh, but still, that was self-righteousness, not righteousness by God's standards. Uh, go ahead. You and Nicholas are starting to, uh, your wavelengths or uh, brainwaves are starting to line up here perfectly. Nicholas says, I attend services and give on the first day of each week. I am faithful to my wife and my children. I, I, I'm faithful to my wife and my children are God-fearing. I'm not like my neighbor. This is not a correct attitude, attitude because when I serve God, I am simply doing my duty. This does not make me better than another man. Without Jesus, I'm lost, period. And so certainly, uh, Nicholas says, just because we're doing certain good things doesn't make us right with God. And nor does it make us better than those that are around us. Yeah. That sort of reminded me of Jesus' statement in Luke 17.10. So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded, you say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. Right. Uh, Luke 17.10. Now, we, we don't want anybody to misunderstand. We believe that it's that it's necessary. We already talked about this, but it's certainly necessary to do and observe the positive commands that God has given. We're not... We're not saying otherwise jesus in fact said in luke chapter 6 verse 46 why call you me lord lord and do not the things which i say so we understand that we have to be striving to do the will of the god but no amount of good works is going to earn us our salvation a, a passage that we've referenced lots of times on the virtual bible study is ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 by grace you're saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of god not of works lest any man should boast and I think the, the correct explanation of that not of works, lest any man should boast, there are no works, the kind or amount of which you could do, that would put you in a position to be able to boast to God about what you'd done. Uh, Ramona references Titus 3, verse 5, which echoes what we read there in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. By the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. He, he saved us there, not because of something that we did to earn or deserve it, but because he was gracious and mercy, merciful to us. I, I think that's exactly Inherent right. in those statements, though, we see their need to be obedient. Uh, that doesn't require remove the, uh, the, the, the obligation to be obedient. Yeah. Interesting comment in the chat room by guest 5419. I'm going to have to read between the lines here because it's just a two-word comment, but I think it is... Uh, uh, very profound. The, the listener says, remove self. So in this discussion of self-righteousness, if you take the self off of it and be and put righteousness there, that certainly is our goal. Yeah. Self-righteousness is condemned. Righteousness is commanded. Righteousness is commanded. Righteousness is our goal. Yeah. That's what, we, that's what we're striving for. So the, the, so the, so the solution and, you know, to self-righteousness is take the self out of the equation. I think that's really good. But, you know, we, we probably should have defined, although it, it almost goes without definition, what is righteousness? Right. Righteousness is being right. Right. And we want to be right with God, not right with self. Yeah. Now that, being right with yourself is probably a pretty easy objective to achieve. Being right with God requires more... Uh, Diligence. All right, let's get our last break and go to the top of the hour as we look at more identifiers of what makes someone self-righteous and then look at some ways that we can avoid the sin. Look forward to hearing from you. 877-381-4567 is a toll-free line. Kyle's standing by waiting to get you on online with us. 877-381-4567. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study will continue right after this. 
These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Hello. Hey, Matt. No, I don't have any plans for Friday night. What are you doing? Oh, I won't be able to go with you to watch that movie. Because, Matt, the movie is rated R. Hey, why don't you just come over and hang out at my house Friday night? Great, I'll see you there. Being pleasing to God means that you may have to be different than the crowd, but don't be afraid to stand up for what's right. It just might find that it's easier than what you expect. A message brought to you by College of Church Christ. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. Americans are becoming less religious, judging by such markers as church attendance, prayer, and belief in God. And the trend is more pronounced among young adults, according to a recent poll. The share of U.S. adults who say they believe in God slipped to 89% in 2014 from 92% in 2007. The proportion of Americans who say they are, quote, absolutely certain God exists fell even more to 63% in 2014 from 71% in 2007. The percentage of Americans who pray every day, attend religious services regularly, and consider religion important in their lives are down by small but statistically significant measures, the survey found. The trend is most pronounced among young adults, with only half of those born from 1990 to 1996 absolutely certain of their belief in God. That information is via Reuters News. The Word of God says in Psalm 14, verse 1, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. We're back and going to the top of the hour talking about self-righteousness and looking at what constitutes self-righteousness so we can avoid it in our lives. We were talking about this, the parable of the um, Pharisee and the publican who went up to pray. We said the Pharisee was self-righteous Notice, Jesus taught the parable because he was talking to those who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. So they were self-righteous people. So the, what did the Pharisee do that constituted self-righteousness? He, he, thought he, was, he thought he was good because he could avoid certain sins. He thought he was good because he did certain good things. Neither one of those. He, he couldn't be thorough in either one of those categories. But finally, he, he thought he was righteous because he could point to others that he... he saw as worse than himself. He said, I'm not like this publican. Uh, we are not righteous by comparison to others. In fact, Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, that comparing ourselves, as he say, we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Yeah. It's not a wise thing to try and justify yourself by comparison. That's what the Pharisee did. Self, a self-righteous individual say, well, I'm better than he is. I'm better than she is. I, I can find lots of people that I'm better than, and therefore I, I'm satisfied with self because I use these kind of comparisons as my standard. That's not wise, and that's not true righteousness. All right. We'll look forward to hearing from you. Along those lines, this is this closely dovetails it's slightly different rick in the chat room made a comment 40 minutes ago 30 minutes ago he said self-righteousness is the result of using one's own standard to measure righteousness so we can use others as our standard or i can make up my own standard and he says we are made righteous through obedience to god's righteousness romans 1 16 through 18 exactly right this demands humility which is the opposite of self-righteousness so i can make i can make the standard you that's self-righteousness. If I compare myself to you, I can make the standard rules that I set up, myself in other words, make the standard my righteousness. That's self-righteousness. The cure for that is to submit to God's righteousness. Yeah. N- notice what Paul said about his Jewish brethren in Romans 10, verse 1. This goes right with what Rick was saying. Romans 10, beginning verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. So since he was praying that they might be saved, they obviously weren't saved. He says, I bear them record that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. So I think that's exactly what Rick was saying. So as you said, the Pharisee trying to compare himself to others, 
claim righteousness. But we might also be self-righteous by I've set up my own rules. As long as I don't, as long as I do certain things and don't do other certain things, my own judgment as to what they are, I, I claim righteousness. That's my own righteousness. That's not the righteousness of God. Uh, correct. And it's ironic because those who would condemn us for demanding that we follow God's righteousness say we're self-righteous. They're the ones who are making up the rules as to what what flies and what doesn't. They're the ones who are saying, well, I don't have to do that. I, I, I don't need to do this, but I can do this. They're making up their own rules. They are, in fact, the self-righteous ones uh, when we when we make our own rules. Yeah. You know, I was thinking, Jacob, about this idea of comparing yourself to others. Uh, the man Noah, if he if he had wanted to justify himself or claim righteousness by comparing himself to comparing himself to others, he could have easily done that because you remember in Genesis chapter 6, it says every imagination of the thoughts of men was only evil continually. But verse 8, Noah found grace in the eyes of God. What did Noah do? Verse 22 of that same chapter 6 in Genesis, thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Right. Noah's righteousness was in obeying God, not in comparison, comparing himself to others or setting up his own standards of righteousness. He did the will of God. All right. Appreciate those thoughts uh, tonight uh, from Rick. Um, you know, come to, comes to mind, I mean, all, all over the scriptures, we see people being condemned for setting up their own rules and doing what they think is right, what they determine God wants. That's condemned throughout the scriptures. That's self-righteousness, and we need to make sure we're avoiding it. Yeah. Um, in fact, here's a pretty strong statement in Isaiah 64, 6. We are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags, and we do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Well, our righteousness is like filthy. That's, by the way, if you do a word study there in that text, that's a, that's a really vile thing when it's talking about filthy rags. It's kind of an interesting uh, read there. When the the the, the strong terminology, it's, it's a little bit uh, a little, little more graphic than yeah, it's more graphic than the English bears out there. But the filthy rags, our righteousness is as filthy rags. All right, it, the Pharisees were condemned uh, for this idea of of setting up this, their rules and doing what uh, they wanted to do, being this making the being, making themselves the standard. Uh, they they were going around. Uh, they were blind guides, Jesus said in verse 20, Matthew 23, verse 24, which strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. So they were setting up these rules in which they would excel at and ignoring the rules that God had given them. Exactly right. Okay. All right. Finally, we had we just got a few minutes left here, Jacob. But finally, we had one last question we wanted to deal with. How, what steps should I take to avoid self-righteousness? What would be important steps to take? Because what I want is what Paul stated in Philippians 3, verse 9. In Philippians 3, 9, Paul said, Be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law. Because he was dealing with people who were trying to be justified by the law. But he says, not having my own righteousness, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. We want to have God's righteousness, not our own righteousness. We don't want to be self-righteous, as as uh, was in the chat room a minute ago. Uh, remove self. Not self-righteousness, but just righteousness. How how would we do that? Um one of the one of the passages that came to my mind in regards to that thought is in First Peter chapter five, First uh, Peter five verse eight. You know, First Peter five five. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves to the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. Notice this: be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. I think humility is the is the counter to self-righteousness self-righteousness right. is prideful I, I don't i don't i don't see how a person could hardly be self-righteousness self-righteous without a sinful measure of pride right to go along with it i mean they, they seem like they almost would be inseparable right and so 
certainly one of the things that we would have to do to avoid self-righteousness is maintain a humble spirit. Yes, absolutely. Humility is uh, is counter to the idea of self-righteousness. Yeah. Uh, in Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 3, Paul says, I say through the grace given to me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as, according, as, as accordingly as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. You know, I, I just think that this thinking more of ourselves than we ought to think is a huge problem. And I would say it's a problem among Christians as well. We've got to, we've got to combat that. If we, get, if we get arrogant, prideful, if we think we know it all, uh, if we think we've got it all figured out, we've got all of our ducks in a row, then then we're just we either already are self righteous or we're primed to take the fall into self. Hey, maybe we're not extortioners, unjust adulterers, or even as this publican. But when we get lifted up in our minds in that pride, then we're just as guilty as any of those engaged in those other sins. Uh, yeah, as you're talking there, it reminds me, as we already mentioned, Luke 17:10. But again, we've got to keep that humble attitude. When we've done all those things which we are commanded, you say we are unprofitable servants. We've done that, which is our duty to do. And Nicholas in the chat room references Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 through 27, where he says it's such a beautiful thing that Jesus removes the blemishes from our garments or our lives. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. Don't get a picture of here of the bride boasting when Jesus presents her without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. It's all to his glory, and we need to make sure we have that perspective. Yeah. Uh, So... Humility, lack of pride, submissiveness uh, to the will of God and to others. You know, First Peter 5, verse 5 says we submit to others. Certainly to study and know the word of God, to, to, to be well-versed in the scriptures. How can I do righteousness if I don't no righteousness. know it? Yeah. You know, so I, I need to know what God wants me to do. Uh, and and I, so I have to study it. I have to know it. Then I have to be committed and put it into practice. Jesus said, as we mentioned earlier, Luke six forty six, why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say. Uh, so we've got to be busy doing his will. Uh, certainly prayer uh, w- would be a part in that. Uh, I need to pray for the wisdom to apply the truth that I learn. Uh, I need I need to pray to resist temptation for things like pride and arrogance and hypocrisy and judgmentalism. Prayer would be an important part of that process as well. So there's just several tools that is at our disposal to use to avoid the sin of biblical self-righteousness, not the not the false notion that, as we mentioned in the first part of our program, that people are so quick to throw out there. But the real problem of self-righteousness that the Bible talks about. All right. Nicholas says, it all begs the question, why would a person reject Jesus? It just doesn't make sense. Certainly it doesn't, uh, unless we do get maybe puffed up with that pride, where I don't see my true need. Uh, with And that self-righteousness does, it, it, it rejects the fact that we need a Savior. Exactly right. Because we assume we can do it ourselves. Yeah. All right. I hope that's a uh, I hope that's a worthwhile. Not a controversy. You know, we usually get yeah, more we interaction. Stir, stir the pot too much tonight. We, usually, we get more interaction from our audience if we dealing with something controversial, which we which we do without hesitation. But uh, this is just something I think we need to be on guard. About. Absolutely, Kyle has not uh, has been ignored all night tonight, and uh, Kyle doing it pretty well. I think. Well, sorry we didn't get you worked <laughs> in right. there. Um, so appreciate you for being here tonight, Kyle. All right. Dad, thank you for your time. Thanks, Jacob. Thank you for listening. We hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. We hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it.
Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.